0: Welcome to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On The Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 174. Today, I want to talk to you about the church. Yes, the church, once again, all week we're going to be talking about the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones of God, the called out assembly by its very nature. It has inherent within it the aspect of gathering together. Not only in precept are we told to gather together, but the principle of gathering together is taught throughout the New Testament, just like the synagogue system and the place of worship, the central place of worship, the tabernacle first and then the temple and the Tanakh in the Old Testament. And so today I want to talk to you about being a part of the church. You can call it membership, you can call it a covenant relationship. That's really what it is, but we don't like to talk about that anymore because a covenant involves commitment. And what we like to do is join things because when we join things, then the organization has the obligations not us. And so that's just the way it is and that's not a New Testament biblical concept. And so to Today, I want to talk to you about being a part of the church. Now, in the last podcast, I talked to you about the two aspects of the church the general aspect of the church, which refers to the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the building of Christ. It is that universal aspect that bonds all believers together. And the Bible talks about that. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about the body. Now, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, listen to this, this is 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. For by one spirit, that's the Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost to birth the church and to live in the life of every believer. Never up until this point at Pentecost had the Holy Spirit come to permanently reside in the life of any believer, whether they're spiritual, whether they're carnal, whether they are controlled by that spirit or whether they are controlled by the flesh. The Bible says the Spirit of God comes to live in the life of every believer and takes up resident there. No, it's not what you hear today on radio and TV and all of the popular reading courses and magazines and biblical courses. It's just what the Bible says. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized, past tense, into one body, whether we're Jew or Greek, whether we're slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit, for in fact... The body is not one member, but many. So when the Lord Jesus made the promise in the Gospel of John that the Spirit of God was with them, that he was with them, Emmanuel, God with us, but there would come a time when the Spirit would be inside of them. That's totally new. You see, the great miracle of Pentecost is not the miraculous manifestations of sound, of sight, of speech. We get really caught up in those things. No, it is really that God came to live in the life of every believer, to live with them forever and inside of them, controlling them, and convicting them, confirming them, encouraging them. As a matter of fact, the whole Holy Spirit is called the Paracaleo the paraklesis, the one who calls alongside to encourage. The word is translated in the King James Version, comforter, but really the word is best translated, encourager, because that's what he does. He's our counselor. He's our advocate. He comes and he tells us exactly how to live and live a life that's pleasing to God through the words of Holy Scripture. So we are baptized into the body of Christ. And as I said before, the body of Christ in this universal sense of the spiritual sense, if you will, is not the emphasis of the New Testament. The emphasis of the New Testament is on the local body of believers. As I said before, that's where the gifts are enacted. That's where the officers are operating. That's where you have discipline. That's where everything takes place that really affects eternity is within that local body of believers. This is why the writer of the book of Hebrews that I believe is the Apostle Paul and his amanuensis is Luke, he said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is and so much more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about the time of the coming of Jesus. Well, if that was true 2,000 years ago, how much more true is that today? How much more pertinent is that today to us. Now think about what he said and when he said it. When Paul wrote this, by all accounts, whether you are liberal or a conservative in your theology, Paul would have written this, or at least dictated it to Luke, during the days of Nero. That's right, Nero. So when they were commanded to assemble themselves together, it was under the threat of persecution, of beheading. Because this was outlawed during this time. It wasn't that they didn't just feel like getting up and getting the kids ready, and woe is me, uh, I'm going to have to go to church, and uh, they don't have anything for me there, and it's boring. And these are things that are totally first world uh, Western excuses of carnality. You see, the fact is, Paul said you need to gather together because you need it. You need one another. You need the teaching and preaching and exposition of the word of God. You need fellowship together. You need to come together and have communion and remember that Jesus died for you and that he went through Gethsemane for you, that he was buried for you, that he rose again for you. You see, Being a part of the body of Christ is not some trendy something to do. It's a lifetime commitment. And so the Bible says that we're made a part of that spiritual body of Christ through spirit baptism. That is, we are immersed into the body of Christ. You see, the word baptizo is not an English word. It is transliterated, that is, from letter for letter, from Koine Greek, in which the New Testament was written, into English. And so it's a transliteration, but the translation is not letter for letter, it's meaning for meaning. So what does baptizo mean? Well, primarily it means to immerse, it means to dip, it means to envelop, it means to bury. The moment we got saved, the moment we became a follower of Jesus— The moment we were born into the family of God, we were placed into the body of Christ. That's not something that you feel. That's not something that you emote about. It's not something that you necessarily experience, as so many people say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. What it is, is you are placed into the body of Christ the moment you're saved, the weakest of the weak, the poorest of the poor. It doesn't matter who you are, rich or poor, bond or free. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 is talking about. It's talking about it doesn't matter who you are, you're placed in the body of Christ. Why? Because the ground is level at the cross of Christ. We all get in the same way by grace through faith. And we are placed into the body of Christ the same way we are immersed into and we're placed into the body. It's something that God does for us. It is positional rather than experiential. It's something that God in his great mercy makes us a part of the body of Christ. And that is through baptizo. That's through immersion. We are placed into the body of Christ. And so the entrance way, or the way you're made a part of the body of Christ is through spirit baptism. Now, just parenthetically, I want you to look at the context of 1 Corinthians. Who, to whom was he writing? He was writing to the most carnal church, the most fleshly driven church in the New Testament that Paul wrote to. 1 Corinthians is Paul answering a series of questions that they ask. He had been with them for 18 months. He had poured his life into them, and as soon as he left... They went crazy, and they were asking questions to him, and everything the Apostle Paul was asked, and he answered them, that the Corinthians said, here's what we're doing, is this uh, the way we should do it? He said, no, everything, including the use of spiritual gifts and the employment of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, in which this particular passage is listed. They were doing everything wrong. They were doing nothing right. So that's not the model that you want to follow in building a great church. Now think about it. Paul said to the church at Corinth, to the saints of God, to those who are sanctified and set apart. He said that. He called the Corinthian saints, even though they were the most carnal of all the New Testament churches. Why? Why? Because when we are in Christ Jesus, that is a positional thing. That's something God does for us. He places us into the body of Christ through spirit baptism, and we become a part of that body. And that's why it's so important that we live and serve the Lord, because what we do affects others. Just like if the little toe is hurt, it affects the entire body. This is not some cosmic force. This is the body of Christ, and we enter into it through baptism. You see, baptism primarily was a symbol of identification. This is the way you identified as a proselyte to Judaism 150 years before Christ. This is why the Ethiopian eunuch knew in Acts chapter 8, when he became a follower of Jesus, he said, look, here's water. What keeps me from being baptized? Why? Because baptism was a sign of identification. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean that... Everyone knew, it was assumed, because everyone knew that the moment you began to believe a new message, you began to follow a new master, a new rabbi, then you were immersed to show a death, burial, and resurrection to your old belief system and to your old master. That's why Paul in Romans chapter 6 says, We have died to our old way of life. We're raised to walk in the newness of life. That means we're following a new belief system. We've died to the old way of life, the old message, the old belief system. and we're being raised to follow a new master, not the old master. And that's why Paul in Romans 6 talks about slavery to sin and the mastery of sin in our lives. And so what I want you to understand is that baptism was the identification mark of the Spirit of God that placed us in the body of Christ. Well, what about the local assembly where it's all happening in the New Testament? Well, we enter the same way by baptism. When you turn to the book of Acts chapter Chapter 2, it's obvious. After Peter had preached the great Pentecostal message, the people came under great conviction and said, what must we do? And he told them they needed to repent. And they needed to, after repentance, those who had repented need to be immersed. Why? To identify themselves with the Messiah, to identify themselves with the new master, to a new message. Now they had become followers of Jesus of Nazareth. And it says in verse 40 of Acts chapter 2, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this crooked, this perverse generation. The word perverse there is the word scolia. If you are a chiropractor, you go to a chiropractor and they x-ray you, you know what they're going to say. If you have a crooked, a bent, a perverse spine, they will say you have scoliosis. And that means you're crooked and bent and perverse in your spine. That is, it's not straight. It's not as it should be. So he said, be saved from this scolia, from this generation that's crooked. That's not what it should be. Then those who gladly received his word were... Baptizo. They were immersed. They were dipped in the water, not sprinkled, not poured on top of their heads. There were cleansing pools all over the place where Peter preached this message. You can still see them today in Jerusalem. About 3,000 identified with the visible local manifestation of the spiritual body of Christ, which was what we call the ecclesia, the called out ones. So baptism is the way that one identifies themselves with Christ. And this is why Jesus was baptized. He identified with the message of the Messiah of John the Baptist. And was he showing a death, burial, and resurrection? Yes, his own substitutionary death, burial, and resurrection. Now, what I'm telling you is the way you become a part of the church spiritually is through spirit baptism. The way that you become a part of the local assembly of Jesus Christ is through baptism. You identify through baptism. You say, well, you know, I don't think I need to. Well, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, ma'am. You don't get a vote on that. Because when somebody says, this is the way that this generation says, well, I don't believe this. And I just don't think it doesn't matter what you think or what you believe unless your authority for what you believe is in the word of God. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, then you have to put your own thoughts and your own humanistic, relativistic, woke ideas on the shelf. Because, you see, all of that has to do with the flesh. It has to do with the world system in which we're living. It has nothing to do with the word of God. The Bible says that everyone who received his word was baptized. Everyone that was added to the church was baptized. Now, what are our action steps? Our action steps are this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've really given your life to Jesus, then you need to be immersed as a believer and become a part of a local body. You say, well, does that mean that I have to be a part of a particular church? Exactly that's what it meant. That's what it means. That's what it will mean. And you say, well, you know, I just can't find a body that's just exactly right. Well, welcome to the human race. But I want you to also understand that Jesus was part of the synagogue in Nazareth, and he was the only one that was saved. Oh, really? Well, just think about it. He was the spotless son of God, and everyone there was not the spotless son of God. And somebody could have walked up him and said, well, you think you're better than everybody else? Well, in reality, he could have said, yes, I am. But he still went to the synagogue. He still gathered together on Shabbat. Well, if someone came up to him and actually said, do you think you, you must think you're God, he would have said, yes, I am. And he would have been accurate with that. What I'm saying is, if you think that you're going to find a perfect church, you better just right now get over that thought. It's not going to happen. And if you join it, you're going to mess it up if they were perfect, because you and I know you're not and neither am I. And so how do we become a part of the body? We are immersed to show that we have died to our old way of life, our old belief system. We've died to our old master, the flesh, the world, and the devil. And we have been raised to walk in a new kind of life, a new belief system, following the words of God as presented in the Bible and following God himself, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, it's hard for me to make it any clearer than that. I hope that this is a blessing to you. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.